If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to Minigame, a podcast about video game stories and why we love them. I'm Michael Ferris. Well, we got a new trailer for Death Stranding, the first game helmed by legendary game designer Hideo Kojima since his ouster from Konami and the Metal Gear Solid series. Like most of the other trailers for Death Stranding, this trailer is full of weird imagery, vague dialogue, and hilariously on-the-nose character names, such as Fragile, Hartman, and my favorite, Die Hardman. I of course am very curious about what the final product is going to be, but that's not what really interests me about Hideo Kojima or Death Stranding. It's no surprise that Kojima has had ambitions to become a movie director and his games have been full of cutscenes and stories. So I want to explore the inspirations for Kojima and what this could mean for what we can expect from Death Stranding. Even from the beginning with Metal Gear back in 1985, you can see some cinematic ambitions for Kojima. The game was full of dialogue and story beats, all encompassed in an early version of an open world. Thematically, the game takes a lot of cues from action films from the 1970s and 80s. Our protagonist, Solid Snake, is a big beefy hero sent into a jungle to carry out a military operation. Basically, it's the same setup as a Rambo, Commando, or Predator movie. The name Solid Snake itself is an inspiration from the John Carpenter film Escape from New York with its protagonist, Snake Plissken. But it's the sequel, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, where we start to see true directorial vision from Kojima. It's one of the first games that features a cinematic credit sequence, crediting all of the creators up front. And we see other nuggets of storytelling that would continue in games today. Characters expound on their backstories and relationships. Heroes become villains and vice versa. Snake gets a love interest who dies in a scene dripping with 8-bit melodrama. While its graphics and sounds are straight out of the late 1980s and early 90s, the story is presented in a fairly modern structure. Though with the PlayStation and advances in technology, Hideo Kojima has finally been given the tools to tell the stories he wants in the ways he wants. With 1998's Metal Gear Solid, Kojima now has a 3D camera where he is given the tools of framing and camera movements to evoke emotions. Dialogue is fully voiced and filmed in traditional Hollywood styles. Characters can finally move and use space in a naturalistic way. The camera moves in ways that help grow the emotion of scenes. Slow zooms on faces during emotional scenes, frantic moments during action scenes, insert shots of important props, and slow motion is used to sell particularly cool moments. Yes, it was 1998 on the original PlayStation, so everyone's faces kind of look like overcooked potatoes, and environmental geometry is fairly basic. But the underlying technology allowing for more traditional Hollywood storytelling techniques 
makes the cinematic experience more palatable. Even from a narrative perspective, Metal Gear Solid shows a growing ambition from the 8-bit days of tough dudes with big guns. Metal Gear Solid tackles topics such as the threat of nuclear weapons, distrust in the government, PTSD, and moving on after being diagnosed with a terminal illness. It's a lot for one game to tackle, especially with relatively primitive storytelling technology. But its ambition reigns supreme and somehow manages to tell an effective and occasionally even moving story. But it's the sequel Metal Gear Solid 2 in which the Hideo Kojima we know nowadays was born. With the power of the PlayStation 2, Kojima's camera now has free range of motion and can mimic anything Hollywood can offer. The camera now shakes during action scenes and explosions. Tracking and dolly shots now flow with realistic momentum, as though there's a real film crew moving a really heavy camera rig. There's even a few attempts at mimicking handheld camera work. The physical scale of what Kojima can film is now massive and is shot like a Michael Bay or James Cameron film. As Kojima's techniques were becoming more complex, so were the stories themselves that he was telling. Metal Gear Solid 2 was written and developed during a strange part of history, one that was filled with Y2K and technology paranoia, but before 9-11 changed the course of history forever. Whereas the Metal Gear series so far was grounded in a sci-fi version of reality, MGS2 goes off the deep end and sends us into a world of hypnosis, dual identities, the proliferation of misinformation, the mass production of giant robots by every government entity in the world, mass paranoia, a vampire, and a scene in which the former president of the United States wears a Spider-Man-style Doc Ock suit and rides on the back of a Harrier plane that is being piloted by a vampire. Seriously, it's a bloated mess of a story but one that still manages to resonate with players today. Since we're already attached to many of the characters from the previous entries in the series, we are more willing to accept that they are now in a crazy new world. When Metal Gear Solid 2 was released, Kojima stated that 2 was going to be the end of the series. But three years later, Konami released Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. So what would inspire Kojima to revive the series? Well, we'll cover that and the next three entries in the series, where we go from a lighthearted, campy adventure to a nightmarish arthouse film style on the next episode of Minigame. Thanks for listening. Executive producer for Minigame is Abu Zafar and produced by me, Michael Ferris. Original music for Minigame is produced by Lawrence Kelly. Check us out on social media at lore underscore party and at loreparty.com. Subscribe to Minigame and Lore Party on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show and the Lore Party Podcast Network. Thank you very much for listening.